Love you. Have you rebranded the Sometimes Home blog to just never home now? Because we can't keep <laughs> up with all of the fabulous travels you've you've had. And actually, we were talking before the show, and all of your things are in storage. You're just living the nomad lifestyle now. So I feel like it should be never home. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> that would be more accurate, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes homeless, maybe. <laughs> sometimes homeless. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam, it's review time, mail time, mail call. Yeah, I love it. I love hearing from, you know, people who have listened to our show. Maybe we've helped them in planning their next Disney cruise, or maybe we've helped convert them to being Disney Cruise Line addicts, just like we are. But we love hearing the feedback. So thanks to everyone who keeps who keep writing in or reviewing the show. We appreciate hearing from all of you. Well, today's review comes from Ralph Sonia, who writes, This is the cruise podcast to listen to. I love to research everything. I'm a paralegal, and that's just part of who I am. After <laughs> saying that I would never book a Disney cruise, I did after an amazing trip to WDW last year and seeing Wish Reels. After listening to a couple other podcasts, I thought that perhaps there aren't any good ones, and I should stick to my <laughs> true crime pods for entertainment. I gave it one more chance and came across the DCL duo. This podcast gives me that researching fix that I need before my trip. Their podcast offers a variety of opinions from guests, and while their opinions are subjective, they are objective. It's nice to hear about different cruise lines as well as Disney. In fact, one podcast made me tell my husband that, in fact, we were not going with a cruise line for a for Alaska trip. The variety of guests will allow any listener to find something in common with the reviews. I'm looking even more forward to my wish trip this spring. Well, Ralph Sonia, that was from March of this year, so her wish trip presumably happened, and uh, we hope that it was. Amazing. I say her, maybe Ral is a, a, a guy. So their trip happened, I'm sure. I hope it was amazing. If it was Ral uh, Sonia, I don't know if that's her actual name, just write in, let us know. We'd love to hear how the uh, how the trip went and if you're going back on Disney Cruise Line. But for now, we'll just say thank you for leaving us the review. And uh, if you leave us a review, we will read it on the air. So head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. We don't read the bad ones on the air. Thankfully, there are enough of them, or not enough of them, I can skip them easily as we scroll through. Uh, but leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts podcast and we'll read it on the air at the top of the show as a thank you. So with that, Sam, we got some fabulous guests who we have not talked to in nearly a year. I am so excited to have them back on. You want to you introduce uh, our fabulous guests for today? Absolutely. I am so excited to welcome back to the show, Mikkel and Dan from Sometimes Sailing and Sometimes Home. Uh, those are their two blogs that they run. They are constantly traveling. Right now, they are like on the other side of the country from us, but they've just gotten back from like several international trips. So welcome, Mikkel and Dan, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be back. Love you. Have you rebranded the Sometimes Home blog to just never home now? Because we can't <laughs> keep up with all of the fabulous travels you've you've had. And actually, we were talking before the show and all of your things are in storage. You're just living the nomad lifestyle now. So I feel like it should be never home. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> that would be more accurate, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes, sometimes homeless, maybe. <laughs> sometimes homeless. Uh, 
Well, we're going to focus on the sailing aspect of your blogging because you've been doing a ton of fun, small ship cruises, some luxury cruises, some big ship sailing too, I think I've seen. But uh, we can't cover all of your travels, but we wanted to do kind of a topical show, some of your favorites that you've seen out there. Before we dive in, why don't you give folks, I mean, your credibility is already well known to longtime listeners of this show, but why don't you give your folks, the folks out there, your cruising creds, uh, I'll say. Sure. Um, thank you for that amazing introduction. We absolutely love being on our favorite cruise podcasts and guests of both of you. Where do we begin? Our cruising basically focuses on small format cruises, but we're no stranger to big cruises. We've gone on Disney Cruise Line several, time, several times. We're gold, not platinum or pearl. But are you guys pearl or you're about to hit pearl? We are now. We are now. We just got home from my from my. We just Mayfair, got home from my 25th Ryan. cruise. Yeah, yeah Sam's 24th. So I, I will be Pearl. I will be Pearl soon. Um, but Brian is the only member of our family that is currently Pearl. Nathan and I are just lowly platinums at this point. <laughs> <laughs> A hearty mazel tov. So. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, that's major. We are not anywhere close, but we're definitely in gold. So we love Disney Cruise Line, of course. But yeah, mostly small small format cruises and I'm historically a photographer and travel writer, obviously. Dan's the marketing guru. Well, I know now is when Sam would typically put her plug in because Mikhail takes some fantastic photos. So yes. be sure to head over to their blogs. Uh, we've had Mikhail on the show. The last time we were just talking was last January, I think, to talk about a wedding that you photographed uh, on, on Disney on the Cruise Wish, Line. Actually, yeah. yeah, 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 it was amazing. It was one of the first weddings on the Wish, and we will be back on the Wish in February for another wedding I'm photographing. So if anybody's on the Wish on the second to fifth and sees a photographer and a bride and groom, say hi. Don't be shy. <laughs> if this comes yeah. out before, and if not, you know, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Love well, it. Well, where to begin? Like, give folks a sense of some of the cruises you've done over the last year. I mean, we followed along. We've seen so many. So, what what are some of the some of the ones you've taken that stand out to you? Uh, so, our first one was in March with Celestial Cruises, and we left from Athens and did what they called the three continent cruise. So we got uh, so we got to hit three different continents, starting in Europe. Then we went to Africa, and then uh, technically Turkey is in Asia. So we hit Asia, and then back over back over to Europe. It was a, I believe it was a seven day cruise. <laughs> and oh wow! Kind of a shocking bucket list cruise. Like it was it was the things you 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 learn about in art history or in in history class, and and it's like oh. Those are the pyramids. That's nice. Or uh, we're in Jerusalem. And then uh, Turkey was amazing. We also stopped in Cyprus. Um, and then just the Greek Isles. I mean, you can't go wrong on a Greek island, really. <laughs> so that was March, yeah. Yeah. Then we did, uh, right from there, we went, because that landed or docked in. Yeah, it was a closed jaw to Athens. Athens to Athens. And then we went, uh, our second cruise was with Emerald, and we did the Western Mediterranean. So that was from Athens, and we wound up in Rome. Uh, also another seven day, but we visited some some Greek islands and then uh, did a lot of Italy. So we did Sicily, we did Naples. Pompeii was in there. Yeah, from Naples. 
from Naples. Um, oh, because we overnighted in Naples. Right. That's why. Yep. Um, where else do we go? Great stuff. Um, I know that we ended up in Civitavecchia. It's hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Rome, we have on the screen and then went to Rome. Only things to add, um, Celestial Cruises is a Greek-owned and operated cruise line. Love that it was like so Greek. It's a mid-sized ship. It was about like 800 passengers. Yeah, yeah. 800 to 1,200. And the ship has since changed. They have a newer ship and they're bringing on an even newer ship. So they're constantly refreshing their fleet, it sounds like. Also, we did go to Jerusalem, as he said, but, um, you know, in an amazing quick change of itineraries, they obviously are not going to Israel anymore. So they do have a different port for their three continents cruise right now, which, you know, we still recommend. And obviously with their quick response, they're like very responsible um, and tuned into that. We know Windstar also changed their itinerary. They were supposed to go to the Middle East, but they are not this year. Um, well, I didn't even realize, I didn't realize Windstar was over in that part of the world. Yeah. What is, so Celestial, where do they fall in terms of the, you know, are they luxury or are they mid-range? Like where do they fall? I would say they're mid-range to more budget, but everything's a la carte, you know? So like if you want to add a drinks package, they have something crazy like seven drinks packages. I know what you're thinking. That's impossible. How could they have (laughs) seven drinks packages? I actually think I'm being conservative. They might even have nine. Uh, If you want to add excursions, if you want to upgrade some dining, like so everything's kind of a la carte. Um, But it's still really affordable. And, you know, the places that I went to were just like really cool. And, you know, they had buses to get us there because even docking in Egypt to go to the pyramids, it's a good three, three and a half hour journey to get to Cairo and then to Giza where the pyramids are. So like big chunk of your day, you're on a bus. <laughs> um, so they were great with that and getting us. And like our tour guide was amazing. This Egyptian woman who had a great personality and spoke better English than us probably. <laughs> <laughs> she was great. So that was really cool. So that was Celestial. And then Emeralds Zura is the ship we were on. They have a sister ship coming out called Emerald Saqqara. It's a sister ship, which, you know, for anyone listening, it just means it's architecturally the same exact ship. Um, interiors are just different, but it's a luxury 100 passenger, 18 and up luxury yacht. Oh, it wow. Yeah, it was great. We had a really mm-hmm. good time. It was beautiful. It's hard to not be happy on a ship like that, doing what you love, <laughs> cruising in Europe, especially. Gosh, we went to, like he said, we went to Sicily and Naples. Of course, now I'm naming all the places he already named, so that's not really helpful. I'm trying to think we're different. It seems like a lifetime ago. Like We think of the crazy year we've had, and we're just like, oh my God, we were, we were in Italy. And yeah. yeah. Um, afterwards, we stayed in Italy for a week, so we did like all the major hits. Um, Because I hadn't been to Italy since 2001, I think. And Dan had never been there. So we did all the... It's in, yeah, so we went from Civitavecchia over to Rome. I hope I'm saying that right. It is a really hard name. Over to Rome. And then we went to Florence um, and we ended in Milan. So that yeah. was really cool. Yeah. We ate a lot of pasta. A lot of pasta. <laughs> yeah, a lot of pasta. Um, saw all the, the sites and the David and the Duomos and all those things. So that was great. And then after that, we stayed in Madrid for a month and Seville for a month. No cruises, lots of train travel, just seeing those areas. We've been there in the past, but we wanted to, you know, kind of live there for a little bit. We came back in June because I had a Disney Cruise Line wedding to photograph. So 
Yeah, so Dan actually went to see his parents. This is TMI. And I <laughs> went <laughs> on a Disney cruise with my best friend on The Wish. And then we met up in July to go on a Tennessee River cruise with American Cruise Lines, which was phenomenal. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. It, like, when you think of American rivers, you know, obviously the Mississippi comes to mind or the Rio Grande or, you know, maybe the Colorado, but the Tennessee River, it was just gorgeous. Just the scenery and just, you know, that leisurely pace just going down the river and was, it was very, very impressive. Yeah. How long was, was that cruise? I'm curious. Yeah, that was eight, eight days, seven yeah, eight nights. Days. Um, oh, wow. wow. We boarded from, so it goes, that particular itinerary goes from Chattanooga to Nashville or the opposite. Uh And when we say Nashville, it is in Nashville. Like the river goes to Nashville, like right up against Broadway Street. So um, that was really cool. Like ending in Nashville was cool because you sail in and all the skyscrapers are there. And starting in Chattanooga was awesome because Chattanooga is actually like an amazing little town with a ton of things to do. So I, w- I was happy to be back there and Dan be there for his first time. So that was really great. And cruising on an American cruise line is really different because I know it might seem obvious when I say it out loud, but you would not necessarily think that the crew was all American. But there's strict laws about um, where American ships need to be built to be flagged as United States ships and uh, the amount of crew on board that is percentage of U.S. citizens. So that was kind of like a unique experience, which brings us to Alaska, because we cruise (laughs) on an Alaskan-owned ship with Alaskan Dream Cruises. And one of the reasons we were interested in that cruise line was because they are Alaska Native-owned, partially from the Klingit Nation, from you know, native people. The couple that started Alaskan Dream Cruises, the wife is from Klingit culture. So that was like super cool. Um, and How doing- many passengers yeah. on, on mm-hmm. something like that? 49. 49. 49. Oh. Oh. How, how many were on the American um, cruise lines, uh, the Tennessee River cruise? Yeah, the cruise that we did, it was like somewhere around like 100. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was at capacity, but it was pretty no. close. And it was definitely an older crowd. Like this probably isn't great for your young kids because most of these cruises, to be honest, are 18 and up. But I will say like I do wish that I saw more younger people on it because like what an amazing experience. And, you know, if you're if you have like a very mature teenager when they hit 18 or even when they're 21 and can drink, like how lovely to have a little drink or mocktail, who knows, like, and sail on just like gorgeous waterways during summer for that. And Alaska was just like, incredible. Yeah, I actually don't even know if it's 18 and up on Alaskan Dream Cruises. I don't think it is. I think you could be younger. I think it's just because there's not a lot of activities for kids, like they had to go on bigger cruise lines. I loved being in Ketchikan. We ended our sailing in Ketchikan and like literally we saw the wonder pull up. I was so excited. <laughs> there was like a video of it on our Instagram. I was like so giddy because our ship docked in Ketchikan, our ship with Alaskan Dream Cruises called Baranoff Dream. That's the 49 passenger one. And we got off and it was like super early. It was actually really cool and a little misleading to be there that early because it was empty. If you've ever been to Ketchikan, you know, it's never empty. And we were there for three days after that. So we would go to like the little 
there's a guard shack um, by all the ports and there's a marker board there and it says the ships coming in and the amount of passengers that are on the ship. So like every day we would walk over there and see which ships were coming in and how many passengers were on board. So it just so happened that the wonder pulled up next to our ship and it looked like it could just like engulf it. It just looked like it could <laughs> eat the ship. Like, <laughs> it, it, would, it would even just be like a little snack because of 49 <laughs> passengers versus exactly. 20. 400, 2,500. I want to go back for one second to the American River cruise you did, the Tennessee River cruise. Uh, I've always been fascinated by these. We have, um, I think American River Cruises does one near us down the the Columbia River. That's right. Yeah. 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 And so I'm I'm curious, like, what was the onboard experience like on that river cruise? Like, what was your your cabin like? Uh, You know, you've sailed high-end cruising, you've done budget cruising, like where, where does it fall in terms of the onboard experience? And, you know, like the food on board, are you eating on the ship or because you're docked? I mean, a place like Nashville has got amazing restaurants. And I assume at some of these ports, you probably dock for multiple days, uh, or at least, a you know, an overnight kind of stop. So yeah, just curious what that experience is like. Uh, so food, the food on, on board was was pretty good. Uh, I would I would say a good solid mm, seven and a half to eight. <laughs> it wasn't a standout amongst, amongst cruising, yeah. but there were some standouts amongst the meals and some yeah. there were some winners. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and then, but that's that's part of it too. Is like when you are in port, you can jump off and maybe go get a drink and maybe go to a bourbon bar or go get Nashville chicken or something like that. Um, you can definitely build your your own adventure uh, on a cruise like that. Entertainment actually is some oh, of the yeah. best uh, like small bands and everything, which you would like maybe think was possible because you're close to Nashville, Music City, which you'd be right. There was like this, mo- um, there were several nights of bluegrass bands, bluegrass performers, I would say. One married couple who's, they met through music. They've been doing music. They were amazing. There was a quartet that was amazing, bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also these three singers that they had on for the most of the cruise who actually live in Orlando. And some of them are in the Frog Choir. Um <laughs> at Wizarding World of Harry Potter, <laughs> but they were great. And we actually got to sail with them because they were there for most of the cruise. Um, so that was great. The entertainment actually, like for a ship that size going through, you know, the United States was almost likened to a river cruise in Europe that they're bringing on kind of local acts, except for the three women that were kind of brought in for musical nights. But it was great. Like I was blown away by the musicians and the singers. Do you agree? Yeah. It was it was fun too because you really felt like you were in the whole southern sort of Nashville culture while you were there, and it's like, well, this is what every night's like. You have Opry, Grand Ole Opry stars oh, yeah. like performing <laughs> in your <laughs> cool. backyard. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Um, in terms of the itinerary, we didn't actually overnight anywhere except. Nashville the last night, which I guess when you start the cruise, it's your first overnight. But it goes to some small towns in between that we've never heard of. But like, you know, there's a city called Paducah. I think it's in Kentucky. It is. It is in Kentucky because I'm from Louisville, Kentucky originally. So yes, Paducah, I'm aware of. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Paducah. Um, And the like National Quilt Museum is there. And we were maybe going to go, maybe not. We were walking around. It's a great walkable city, especially from the port. It's right downtown. And um, we're walking around and we saw another couple from the cruise and we were chatting with them and they were like, the museum's amazing. And I love crafts, but I was like, okay, uh, yeah, sure. Quilting, I'll go in. 
I mean, these are like not your grandmother's quilts. Like I've never seen. <laughs> it's just almost like they're just like modern artists and fabric is their medium. It was incredible. I'm so glad we went in. Um, I like can't even describe it. Like just look up Google, uh, the National Quilt Museum in Paducah and their like current exhibits. It was like mind blowing. Who knew? Who knew quilting could be like that? But like we walked around and I know, <laughs> trust me, it's insane. But like that's just one example of a city that like kind of surprised us and, you know, was so lovely. They have a seawall that has just murals all over the walls. We saw a guy actually painting one and these are like, commission murals that are beautiful, just like the history of the area. So that was like kind of, you know, like gems like that. I hate to use the word in a gem, but they kind of are. And then even to like see, you know, like you cruise on the Danube River or like the Rhine or the Moselle and you see, you know, castles. And it was actually kind of really fun to look at people's like expensive lake houses, I assume. They're like their river houses. <laughs> yeah. And then like instead of, you know, another boat passing us by, it was usually like, you know, somebody on vacation on a jet ski, like on the Tennessee River. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, there's some cool locks on the river too. So that was really amazing. Yeah. I mean... What like a pleasant surprise because we looked in the into the Colombian Snake Rivers trip too, and because we were going to Alaska, like you know, a week or two later, and just the time change, we were just like, let's just stay on the East Coast and do Tennessee and like see that part, and you know, do Nashville, and then also like if you do a pre or post cruise extension, like we did, we were in Chattanooga for a few days. You know, it just feels so good to spend money, like invest in America give money back to like small businesses and everything and those restaurants because we did eat at those restaurants like in the city when we were pre and post. And then also in Nashville, we were able to extend and go to Franklin, which is just south of Nashville and like talk about a town that I don't want a ton of people to go to because I want it to remain a secret, but I'd be <laughs> happy if it got more tourism because it's actually like the best kept secret is where all the Nashville stars live. They live in Franklin. So they actually have the best open mic nights in a an area called Leaper's Fork where like Justin Timberlake and Chris Stapleton are neighbors there. That's where they live. So... Yeah, it was amazing. And they have an incredible downtown area. I love the artist Pink. And then I saw she was in Franklin like a couple of weeks after we were there and my mind was blown. <laughs> and it's only 30 minutes south of Nashville. So like if anybody ever does cruising or any trip in Nashville, like please go to Franklin, Tennessee. It's amazing. Woo, tangent. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, cruising is included in that. And we love bringing new destinations and cruise lines and everything to mine so we actually have a friend who lives in franklin uh but i did no. not know that it was the town to visit for music so yeah, there we you go yeah. we had no idea I have to go visit yeah and like brad paisley and his wife kimberly williams kimberly williams brother has like this incredible sustainable farm that with beekeeping that you can visit and they do like these dinners and oh, it's just amazing you have to go I love it. That sounds awesome. Now for these kinds of cruises, these like, I'm going to call them small ship cruising. I know there's a lot of variety here, but when you are booking something like this, do you have to like pre-book your excursions like you do on large ship cruises? I mean, to be fair, on a large ship cruise, you don't have to pre-book excursions, but if you don't pre-book excursions, they're going to all be filled up. So it's very difficult to do as sort of a last minute thing. But I'm I'm curious on the whole, how it works in like the small ship cruising world, since Brian and I really haven't done any. Um, 
Yeah. How does that work? You can either pre-book or wait. The thing with small ship cruising is that they look really expensive from the start. I think like some people get sticker shock. But then as you investigate what that price includes, it includes more than your regular you know, big ship cruising. Now, don't get me wrong. It's still more expensive because supply and demand. There's less space on a small ship cruise. And um, normally, it's like a little more luxurious. But you know, just an example, like beer and wine is usually included with lunch and dinner. It's not included on big ships. The excursions are usually included, whether you opt for, you know, option A, B, or C. A, B, and C are included, or you could do something on your own if you want to venture off. We were on one cruise, uh, I think with, was it Viking and Bordeaux? And there was one couple that no matter where we went, they were like, we booked our own thing, right. which you can do, you know? <laughs> I think the other interesting thing about small ship cruising is that there's so few people on the ship and they obviously know exactly who's on and off board. I'm not advocating for not being at the ship for all aboard time, but they're not going to leave you. And like 100% on a, on a big ship, like they cannot wait for two people. Right. But on our Alaskan Dream Cruise, there's literally a marker board and it says like your, your stateroom name. And you just moved a magnet if you're on order. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the schedule at Denny's. (laughs) So that's how small it was. So like the Alaskan Dream Cruise is a really good example because I think a lot of your listeners can relate to wanting to go to Alaska or having been to Alaska, especially on Disney Cruise Line. Like Princess is also a leader in cruises in Alaska, Holland America Line we saw a lot. So... The thing about the Alaskan Dream Cruise was that every port we went to, we had a local guide, very often a native person like Klinget Culture, that was showing us around. And then we might have some free time after, but that was all included in the price. So like we didn't have to sign up for an excursion. There were one or two places that we could add on. Um, like one of them, uh, a boat would take you to this bare island that you had you know, exponentially greater chances of seeing wild bears. Um, that was like a couple hundred dollars more just because of the nature of getting there. Everything's more expensive in Alaska. Um, anyone who's researched that or been knows that, but yeah, it's kind of a mix, but I would say overall, like more is included with it. And that includes excursions. Oh, and the, Brian, you asked about the onboard experience for, um, American cruise lines. Actually, the ship was like one of the brand new ships that we've been on. I think it was American Serenade. They're all kind of like named after, um, songs isn't the right word the, yeah, I love music it. yeah yeah like yeah, i love music, ship yeah. naming like american jazz american serenade that kind of thing um i love ship naming so i always get a kick out of that especially <laughs> like with the treasure <laughs> celebrity cruises just came out with like excel x c e l um so ship naming is always like kind of a fun thing but in the center of the atrium which is you know also a quarter quarters actually being generous if it could fit into one tiny teeny pocket of the grand hall <laughs> in the ship but like you know it's like an old microphone sculpture with like music notes going around it which was like really cute and a good photo opportunity but our stateroom on that ship was actually like you would consider it like a suite on you know a disney ship and it was yeah. it was just a normal room it was like really big so that was kind of a nice surprise and it was like nice blue tones and like very nautical like color palette not nautical feel but color palette it was great I think whenever i think about river cruising so one i think about growing up in louisville where we had the uh, uh, you know river boat that that docked right in downtown right 
but yeah. yeah, but like the paddle wheeler, and it was not you were not cruising on this. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anybody's yeah. watching, but, the, but these are more like small yachts, basically that they're building now to do the river cruising, and and I also have in my mind kind of a more rustic style of cruising than what you might experience on an ocean ship. But I should say that I've, I have checked out American river cruises uh, more than once, and some of those ships certainly rival Disney in terms of their their decor, not from a Disney aspect, but from just like, a, you know, they're building really nice new boats to support these river cruises. So where else in the world have you been on a cruise ship this past year? Besides, uh, as you mentioned, Alaska, uh, the river cruising, where else have you gone? Is that it on our cruises? After, after Alaska, we came back. I had a wedding to photograph at the end of September. No, we went to... Beginning of September. For, no, from Alaska, we came... Over oh, my Boston. God. I'm forgetting one. Okay. There is one more. Go ahead. Uh, Poor Hal. Holland America Line. Holland America. Zyderdam. That's what it was. Yeah. Ended up in Boston and it ended in Quebec. Um, then we went up through uh, the Maritime Provinces. So uh, first stop was Maine. Um, yeah. We were in Bar, Bar Harbor, Maine, Bar Harbor, which we Maine. love. If anybody's ever been there or is thinking of going, it's just like the cutest town. And we were in Acadia National yeah, Park. We that was the, what we opted for. Acadia for the excursion. For the excursion. Then we went up to Prince Edward Island. Uh, we also did, yeah. which, yeah, just such a great, yeah, just a, a, a fun place that you just, you, it just feels comfortable being yeah. there like immediately. And also, sorry if I might add, the best welcome we've ever had at any port anywhere. They were shucking oysters, complimentary. They were handing out lobster rolls, complimentary. <laughs> they were giving you all the... It was insane. And it was pouring outside, which I think had nothing to do with it. Um, it was just but like... They did the, but they did the the main style with the mayonnaise though, right? Not the, not the Connecticut style with the butter. If it was mayo, it was very light. Yeah. Like okay. it was almost... <laughs> Or lobster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was amazing. Like just oh, and there was like um they were doing a First Nations dance there. That was great. Sorry. Okay. Now, to- this we, we this was Holland though. So is this a large ship or is this a smaller ship then? It was large, but one of their smaller large ships, if I can say that. The Zyder Dam, <laughs> which was it's not one of their newer ships. Um uh, and actually in one of the ports we pulled up right next to another Holland America line ship. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Double, double the dose. Um, so that was great. We went to Halifax yeah, where there's Halifax. a Titanic portion of the cemetery is Titanic. Um, How did you find Holland overall? We've heard, we've heard, you know, good things, but like you're on an older ship, which I found you're on an older ship. The experience is different than being on one of the brand new, you know, mega ships that they're all building. But how was the experience overall for you on Holland? Yeah, I think if we sailed with Holland again, we would try to find a newer ship. It was fine and great and like we met great people and the food was good especially mm-hmm. at yeah. the restaurants that you had a book the food was really good like yeah. i remember an italian restaurant like being a standout for us and i would sail with holland america line again i would want to experience a different ship just because the zyder dam didn't blow me away also because they have a ship within a ship um concept almost like the haven or the retreat um for norwegian and celebrity um but it was hard to experience because they kind of retrofitted it for that and the way that they did that was like sort of cabanas outside on the top deck but this was new england and the weather wasn't <laughs> that fantastic like in the end of august beginning of september it was hard to enjoy that space when like they have to move all the furniture that's not tied down when it's windy so like yeah that went away so that's like a major reason that we might not seek out that ship 
Um, but we've done that itinerary and been on it. So why not variety? But yeah, there were pros and cons, but I liked it. I would do it again. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious too. You you have done so much cruising. So I, I wanted to ask a question. I actually was thinking about it back when you were talking about Italy. Do you still do the onboard excursions, the shore excursions? Like, do you book through the cruise lines or are you at this point like we're getting off? I mean, you mentioned Cairo. That sounds like one you would need to kind of do through the cruise line to be safe. Um, uh, not security wise, but to make sure you got there and back on time and they hadn't sailed away with uh, without you. But are, or do you just get off the ship and kind of go wander or like what, what's your... Yeah, what's your strategy in terms of when you're in port? Are you booking something with a cruise line? Or are you doing something on your own, or is it a mix? It's really a, a mix. It, it depends on it depends on the itinerary. It depends on the port. But we'll we'll just sit down and and go through it and say, is this something we want to do? Or you know, and then if not, it's like, well, well, we'll figure it out. We'll just go when wander, you know, and we're we're comfortable doing that too. Yeah, I think an advantage of small ship cruising is that they really do dock in a great area, so you don't to take a taxi somewhere or, you know, travel a far away. The thing about the Celestial Cruise was that they don't dock right next to, like you said, Cairo. Like, it's really far. So <laughs> you want to take that transportation for all the reasons that you said. But one of the things we love about small ship cruising is that it takes you to the heart of where you're going. Or if it doesn't, you can get on transportation. And then, you know, like some places on the Tennessee River Cruise, um, there was just a shuttle going to the center of town and you can get on, get off. It was every 15 minutes. Actually, one place we took it and then we were like, we can walk this. Um, yeah, we walked back. So we walked back. Because <laughs> <laughs> the weather was nice. Well, and you said for these smaller ships, most of the time your excursions are included in your in the cost of the the cruise, unlike in larger ship cruising. Do you find that there's, you know, sort of a difference when you like let's say you booked a, a an excursion on a, a large ship that doesn't always leave you time to walk around on your own. Do, do most of these excursions leave you some time to walk around on your own? Obviously, setting aside the one where you're going to Cairo, where you probably don't have any time to walk around on your own because there's so much time on the bus. But yeah, do, do most of the excursions in these like particularly smaller ports give you some time on your own? Yeah, it's a mix. I would say some do, some don't. But I think more often than not, you do have free time at some point. And because the heart of where you're going is right there, even if you walk around for an hour. I mean, the small towns on the Tennessee River Cruise, you couldn't even find something to do for an hour unless you sat down to get a drink or, you know, something like that there. Um, so a lot of it's just like being open to sort of Main Street America, Americana kind of things. But yeah, mix. I think also like the more we sail and the more we've been on cruises, the more we understand how cruises function and when you have to be back and like where the flexibility is or what's too risky to do like and come back to or, you know, you can find if you look... Our favorite aggregator of um, ex excursions is Viator. So, you know, you can go on Viator and look at it. It'll say if, you know, they deal with cruise lines or, you know, a big green light for us is like if it says that it's picking you up at a cruise port. Well, if they're picking you up at the cruise port, chances are they're dealing with cruise passengers all the time. And if they have good reviews, you would assume that they want to keep their business going. So, you know, and also like if we ever go to a repeat place, knowing the lay of the land is like really comforting. So if we ever go back to Sitka, Alaska, well, we know how small Sitka is. And we know that, you know, getting from point A to B can happen in this much time because the whole like main road is only 13 miles. So it's like, just like a familiarity. Like if we go back on the Danube River, you know, we know like Passau is a really small German town and like we know the lay of the land. So 
I think it depends if we've been there before. It depends what's available. It depends, you know, on all those things. But it's a good, it's a good tip to check it. Like we, we love TripAdvisor, Viator. Uh, for the larger sailings, there's like shoreexcursions.com, I think it is, Sam, or something like that, that, that we've, we've looked at. We haven't used in the past. But as you drill into these, you can also find some of these will give you like return to ship guarantees, right? Like if they miss the boat, if it's their fault you missed the boat, they'll make sure that you connect back up with your ship in the same way that a cruise line excursion would. So a good, good tip to read the fine print there. Sure. Also, like <laughs> understanding the more we talk to like tour operators, just because we love a good chat about small business, how much of a cut the cruise lines take. Now we understand it's a profit, it's a for-profit business. We support the cruise line. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. There's there's pros and cons. But if you know all is looking good, and like Brian said, there's a guarantee and there's good reviews and all those things. Even if Viator takes a small percentage, they're still getting more money when you book directly. That can actually really make or break their business or their mm-hmm. income for, for the year. So those are things we think about too. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, there are some cruise lines, I'm sure, that are able to get you some special access, right? That you might not be able to book on your own. But other than that, I mean, I, I understand the idea of get, you know paying the small business directly versus paying the cruise line. Yeah, and All to right. your point, a good example. I still can't believe it every time I say it. But when we were when we were in Turkey, which a portion of Turkey is in Asia, like he said, we were in Kashidasai. Mm-hmm. I guess there's an agreement with Celestial Cruises that they will take us to um, a carpet maker, like Turkish rugs, and. Um, we actually ended up buying a rug. That's what I can't believe. And we felt good about where we were purchasing it because we knew that there was a partnership and it was a legitimate vendor that was going to mail the rug and you know we could trust. And we are happy to say we do have the rug in our possession <laughs> and our storage unit and we do have it. And it was a trusted vendor. But you know, I've read stories on um, cruise forums that like people were scammed with their rug. And oh my goodness. Yeah. Because we went to a vendor that Celestial Cruises has a partnership with and because we bought a rug and because the manager had to drive us back to the port after we bought the rug because everybody <laughs> else had already gone, we know that they actually pay the cruise line for you know that privilege to bring people there. So we felt like really secure in the transaction that it wasn't going to be a story that other people that hadn't gone to a trusted vendor that like maybe just went to a store along the port, you know, and did their own transaction. So there's definitely pros and cons to those kind of things. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL 
L Duo, so they know we sent you their way. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for sponsoring the show. And with that, back to our episode. So I want to shift topics here and and talk about food and food options on these smaller, you know, ships. Cause you've obviously you've done Disney Cruise thing. You're gonna go on the wish again, Mikhail, to to photograph another wedding, of course. Um, and so you you know the options on the, you know, big cruise line ships. And and most people who listen to our show probably do at this point, you know, you've got main dining, you've got uh, usually a buffet on larger ships, and then you also have like pool deck food on, you know, on larger ships. That's sort of, I would say, the three categories, plus, I guess, room service, but room service is, you know, limited options, typically speaking. But I'm curious about these smaller ships. You know, you're talking, you know, as small as 49, um, as big as, you know, several hundred. What are the typical food options that are on these ships? Is there only one place to eat? And what's what has your experience been with sort of the quality of food and is it fancy food or can one get chicken fingers and french fries? <laughs> That's a wonderful, fair question. Yeah. I would say it really depends on the size of the ship. Most of your smaller, let's say, I'm just making up a number here, but let's say 200 passengers below, there's only one dining room. It's, but, it, but it really varies on the size, on the ship itself and the design of it. But that is, yeah, that's your central hub. And you go down and... Almost by the end of the cruise, it feels like assigned seats because you always go to the same. (laughs) (laughs) We're creatures of habit, aren't we, Dan? (laughs) You have to like really make an effort to mix it up with the people you're sitting with. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're, you know, you sit in somebody else's seat, they're like, what, what, what what are you? (laughs) That's my seat. That's my seat. Exactly. My. (laughs) But you, but you really start to form those relationships too with the people that you, you, you get to know them and it's like, oh, I'm sitting with, you know. You know who has a gluten allergy. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and who's allergic to shellfish, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But the caliber of the food, I would say, is definitely above like some cruise lines. I mean, I have to say Lumine, um, that's part of the retreat at uh, on Celebrity Cruises is great. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, high caliber level of food that we've had on a cruise line. Sam's not kidding when she says the chicken parm at Palo is the best she's ever had. Blown away. <laughs> um, at that brunch, I was like, we have to get it. Sam says it's the best she's ever had. Yes, and it's true. Actually, somebody asked me if I wanted chicken parm at an Italian restaurant after that. And I said, no, I can't. It's just not going to be good. <laughs> Actually, so I think that's a lose for this restaurant. So, you know. Uh, you were in story. Rome at the time, so I was understanding. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you know, they don't actually do chicken parm in Italy. Generally, is different. It's not fried, so it's very different than like a, what we think of as chicken parm in in the U.S. So it's not really. It's American Italian, not actually Italian Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but on Emerald at Sur in particular, I was so impressed by their cacio e pepe, which is basically pasta with cheese and pepper. Yeah. Um, if you get it in the United States, they make it with cream. That is not how cacio e pepe is made. It's made with cheese. 
So I was like super impressed. They had a pasta every night because we were in the Western Mediterranean and we were in Italy. So they like had a pasta kind of of the night and we would order it with the people we were sitting with and they would serve it family style. I mean, there's definitely misses and not good dishes on small ships, just like there is on big ships. They're, to answer your question about chicken fingers, they are very accommodating. They want you to eat. So, you know, there's usually like an anytime menu like there is on most big ships. Like even if, you know, they don't have it on every day's menu, you can usually ask for just grilled chicken breasts or a steak or french fries. Like they always have some sort of potato or vegetable. I'm trying that the best food we've actually ever had consistently for every single meal on a cruise was a barge cruise. And it was, Max capacity of eight passengers, but there were only five of us on that sailing, and there were four crew members. And <laughs> our chef Toby was incredible. Every meal was just like, holy crap, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, that's expected when you're cooking for five people, not even you know right. forty nine. So yeah, and you know, we like that there's local sustainable seafood caught by people, you know, on Alaskan Dream cruises or even on, you know, we've been on Maine wind, wind jammer cruises, which are sailboat cruises when the captain oh, literally the lobster fest. Right. Exactly. Yes, I remember. I remember the lobster, the lobster bake, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To get the lobster. So yeah, I mean, I would say that like overall when we think of it, the food's a little better than big ships. And also like they really focus on wine programming in a lot of these. But you know, that's to say like we were on princess cruises and we were at a wine pairing dinner and that was great. So we yeah. love food too. So we love that you asked about that. <laughs> and you know, it's always something. And we have like a really high standard for food. We're two adults, no kids. And like, this is our passion, you know, cruising and traveling and food is so much a part of the culture. So, and it's really um, a mix of whether or not cruise lines actually focus on the local ingredients and local cuisine. I think a lot of people don't really realize like even if a menu is tailored to the Danube River so you're going to Germany and you're going to Austria and you're going to Hungary and like you're like oh this menu is like so local and it's like no that I don't mean to burst anyone's bubble but like uh, corporate approved the menu and the chef didn't put it <laughs> together in the kitchen right there you know so there's always like a little yin with the yang for where you are and the food quality and everything but there and there are buffets on small ships it just it's not for every meal sometimes a lunch the welcome lunch they'll do buffet because people are coming and checking in and kind of walking on i will say the one thing with small ship cruising is that the check-in is so much different you basically just like walk on the ship there's no like gangway there's no <laughs> you know, you want <laughs> your passport and they like, they bring you and there's show no you. tapping your key to the world card every time you get on, every time you get off. <laughs> you know, a lot of these ships don't even have uh, doors that lock. We've been on plenty of cruises, the ships oh, that wow. there's no yeah, the lock on the doors. door. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That is odd. Make sure you know your stateroom number. Especially <laughs> <laughs> like they all look the same. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're trusting these people from the get-go. So yeah, it's definitely interesting. While we're talking about food, I have to ask, you mentioned Nashville. You actually mentioned Nashville hot chicken. How was it? <laughs> in Nashville, it's great. And actually in Franklin, it was great too. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a little spicy. And on the ship, it was not that spicy. And we're not sure if that's just because of the audience. Like, you know, they're trying to be less risky. But it was nice to have fried chicken 
on that cruise and then be able to also get it in Nashville to get the real deal. Yeah, we're being honest. Compare the two. <laughs> <laughs> Nashville hot chicken is a thing. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you said a little spicy. I would say people from Nashville would say it's supposed to be mouth-burningly spicy yeah. if, if you're doing it right. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> That's what you need the bourbon on the back end for. Uh, to, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Going going to another topic, but sort of related to f- food is, of course, service, right? When we think of different cruise lines and, you know, sort of the more luxury you get, typically the higher the level of service. Do you find that or did you find on these small ships that you went on in particular this year that that held true across the board or were there, you know, standouts and maybe ones that were fell sort of lower in, in that service category? I have one opinion, uh, of course, but I'm curious to hear what you would say actually about that. Yeah, I, I found it was really, it, it definitely de- depended on the ship and just the, the cruise line itself. Uh, like a standout for me this year, I thought was Emerald, the Emerald of Zara. I mean, it was just such a beautiful ship and the service was impeccable. Um, and then like Alaska, Alaskan Dream Cruises, it felt kind of like uh, it, it was much more homey and a little bit more like camping and like the servers are joking around with us and you know it, was, it felt much more approachable so to me those were the two kind of extremes of this year's cruising yeah so less end- less formal versus more formal not necessarily bad service and good service just different style correct yeah yeah, yeah. but it, but it really fits both of those examples really fit the personality of the of the ship that's true and it was like yeah, this feels right. And it feels like the way it should be for this particular ship. The thing I would add to that is that we consider ourselves pretty low maintenance. We don't travel with a lot of bags, literally. We don't travel with a lot of baggage. (laughs) (laughs) Physical or emotional? Yeah, we get you. (laughs) We travel with, you know, the same carry-on backpacks. We don't have a lot of demands or requests like so we're not asking for a lot so we're not like testing anyone to see you know so like it kind of depends the the most uh i guess attentive like experience that i can recall is being in the retreat on celebrity cruises because you get like assigned like a concierge kind of i think they call it a stateroom butler kind of thing a stateroom attendant Mm -hmm. that like was just such a sweetheart and like did things for us. We didn't even ask, like, you know, taking us to the gangway to get off the ship and like making sure we got off in front of people. And which is like kind of a perk of staying in the the retreat class, which actually is not even that much more expensive, especially if you hit it on the right special or deal, like people should completely, nobody should ever be intimidated by a price that they're assuming and they're not really aware of because a lot of the times these cruise lines run specials like you know from black friday or wave season like two for one free airfare you know so like they want you to cruise with them they just have to hit their own numbers it's a business so like you know the the retreat could be equal price to what you were gonna book if you catch it on a special so you know i always say like there's very few cruise lines that you need to pay in full from day one or like within 30 days so even if you don't have the money now, I'm not saying live beyond your means, but like book it and then see how things are going. And if you can find the money, I think like a lot of people have money for things. It just depends where they put the money and how they spend it if they're fortunate enough. So like 
you know, see how it shakes up. And if there's a deal, grab it. And if you need to cancel it and just make sure the deposit's fully refundable and, and, you know, you could do that. There's not been a single time I don't book another Disney cruise while I'm on a cruise because it's a click of a button to to book it and you get a discount and you're not going to get that once you get off the ship. So it's, it's an easy yes for us. And the service level just depends, like Dan said, like the vibe of the ship and where you are and kind of what you've investigated. Well, in some of the lines you've been talking about, I think you mentioned not always like super family friendly. You're talking about adult only travel, which then does open up the possibility to like we we have to sail at spring break. We have to sail Thanksgiving right. week. Those those times of year when you're not going to find discounts. But we've heard from plenty of people who found some screaming deals even on like Disney cruises where the price opening day is much lower than booking the spring break week, you know, that sort of thing. And so, you know, watch out for those like shoulder seasons. I will say if you're booking in October, November in the Caribbean, just be prepared for travel disruption with hurricanes and things like that. But if you can find those shoulder seasons when they know they're not going to fill their ships, you can find some really great deals. And to your point, lots of the cruise lines, Holland America, Norwegian Royal, Carnival especially, it's like constant nonstop sale, 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 even even after opening day. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I we don't have, but we know that uh, in North Carolina, a lot of children are on year-round school, so their parents end up taking advantage of when they're tracked out. They call it for their vacation, which I'm sure is very nice for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'd be remiss in not spending a few minutes here talking about some of your favorites from your more recent cruising experience. And actually, if you want to dig into the the archives, the B sides, the deep cuts, like feel free. Uh, But I, I kind of wanted to start with um, what was your favorite cruise you've taken in the last year? Emerald at Zorro, definitely. It was just like so much of a cruise is like who's on board, right? And with a cruise that size, like you get to know people pretty fast and you have chemistry with, I would say. And the food was really good and the scenery, scenery was really good. And just like, just like we literally like pulled right up to Naples and there's like an old, you know, stone tower right there. And that was really cool. And you could see like Vesuvius in the distance. And that was like amazing. Same, same for you, Dan, or a different one? I would I would have to go with Alaska Dream Cruises. Yeah, that was great. Just because it was it was a little bit more rustic and it, you felt like you were really part of the ruggedness of Alaska and but to Mikhail's point like uh just the people really make make it especially on a on a smaller cruise. I I met so many great people on that cruise that I still keep in contact today. I was just texting with with somebody I met on that cruise this morning. And then tomorrow Right. And then tomorrow, we're going to see another couple that we... We're staying with them. ...on the cruise. Yeah. Oh, wow. is great. And I think like something that was really cool about Alaskan Dream Cruises is how, you know, it's Alaskan owned. We were fortunate to meet a lot of people in Alaska that work for the cruise line. And you can see the shipyard and the ships are built there. And also that the mere architectural size of that ship gets you closer to icebergs floating in the water. And like one of my favorite things was just photographing like iceberg after iceberg after iceberg. (laughs) I'm like, but this one's different and this one's different and this one's different. And you can't get that on a bigger ship because you're just, you know, further up. It's just the way that the decks are, you know, you can't get that. Sure, you can use binoculars. And of course we brought binoculars too. It's just like really cool being in kind of like, a Ford or Misty, Misty Fjords, like big ships can't go there. So like that was really special. 
Well, you heard it here first. Mikhail's got a new series of photos coming out. Frozen is the is the <laughs> theme. So there you go. There you go. Calendar for 2024. <laughs> right. They're just just icebergs, right? Yeah. Icebergs. True, yeah. A true frozen instead calendar. Of sexy, yeah. Instead of sexy firefighters, it'll be sexy icebergs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, really oh, frozen. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True frozen. Colon. Well, I want to hear. I want to hear favorite port that you've been to over the last year on a cruise line. That's interesting. Favorite port this year. Oh my God. Can you guys think of your favorite port too? I'm curious what you would say. I might say Sitka, Alaska. I just thought Sitka was like so special. We also stayed at this place called Twin Islands Retreat. Twin Islands Resort Retreat. I think it's Twin Islands Retreat, T-I-R. And it's owned by this couple who moved to Alaska to kind of like start this like B&B. But like, it's just, it was like the most magical place and that's kind of how we started our stay in Sika. And then we boarded the ship from there. And Sika is just like so walkable, have a real affinity and fondness for Native American culture. You know, so that was really special. And learning about totem poles and the, like, their national park there, you know, and learning the story of totem poles. And if you're not Native, you're not really supposed to tell the story. But um, luckily, somebody guided us who had, you know, Native roots and everything and associations. So that was really special. And we did learn that totem poles are only in the Northwest, only kind of like Vancouver up to Alaska, which we didn't realize. They're only like an art form that's 200 years old. Tangent, very cool. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, there are there are some in in Washington as well because some of the the tri- some of the tribes in Washington um, also did totem poles and or still do probably, yeah. What about you, Dan? I I, I want to say Ketchikan. I really enjoyed Ketchikan, but I think I'm going to go just Nashville just because the, the we were right there, right in the city, and pulling in. I remember. You know, as we're cruising into the city itself, we popped a uh, bottle of champagne and just like sat back and, and watched the city kind of come to us. Um, so it was it was just a great experience, and just the the accessibility to the city really made that port special. You you asked us ours. Our problem is the last year. I think we've only been sailing in the Caribbean and uh, in Baja. So in so Baja, Castaway yeah. Key, Castaway Key's definitely got to be number one on the list of uh, on the list of ones we've been to. We, I would say we haven't been to great ports. I'm not saying that the ports we've been to have, are bad, but it's just really Bahamas. Honestly, it's been Bahamas and then like Baja, Mexico. So, um, you know, our, our last um, more amazing port was, was September of last year. So that's outside of the one year mark, I would say in Norway. September of last year, where was it? Yeah, that was in Norway. I mean, we were, we did the Norwegian fjords. And so all, every port was amazing there. Um, you know, we had, we had a great time. I, I would, probably say Stavanger, if I could include that cruise, I'd say Stavanger where we did the hike of Pulpit Rock. That was just a fantastic and and terrifying and amazing. <laughs> I would say on that cruise, I'd say for me, it was Olesund. I really loved Olesund. That was as far north as we got. And uh, the views from the, the ship, because I like to take photos too, were just fantastic. And so, yeah, I would say Olesund. But Ask us again in about a month, and we'll have a different answer, I'm sure, off of this Adventures by Disney River cruise we're getting ready to take. So. I'm so excited for the Christmas markets for you guys. Well, I want to keep going with favorites here. So we talked about favorite ports. I'm going to change it up, and you can say, oh, same answer, but uh, shore excursion, like thing that you did. I'm going to make Dan go. I'm going to make Dan go first this time. Please, please, please. <laughs> I would have to say... Uh, uh, Rhodes was a great 
great cruise, great stop on the cruise and uh, just a beautiful island and the views and we went up to the Acropolis that's on the island and to, the, the little towns, just, just a beautiful, beautiful island. And we were there before it got busy, before Easter. Yeah, so that was yeah. kind of a nice part. This is so random and Sitka and people can do this off of the cruise ship because it's um, not far um, and you can just take a taxi there. There's a guy that's a, a, he's a shop teacher at a high school in Sitka and he started doing these metal fish. You can make like a metal salmon or a metal halibut. Halibut. Yeah. You pick your fish and he has a leaf that like plasma cuts it and then you finish the fish. You like... You can make scales on it. He shows you how to do that and you can torch it so it gets the colors. There were two kids there. It's totally family friendly. Like, you know, you wear safety goggles and he shows you how to be safe and, you know, you sign a waiver. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're not cutting the metal. It's already cut. Um, but it was, we're just like crafty, hands-on people. It was just so cool and so different. Like so different. Where else can you do that? So that was really cool. Yeah. Nice. All right, we got to know favorite food item. This show always always comes back to food, so we got to know your favorite food item, uh, Mikhail. Why don't we start with? I have dreams about the cacio pepe on mm. Emerald Tesoro. I mean, it was like spot on, and I love homemade pasta, that so was that was so incredible. Good. Is that the so when you mentioned it? Is that the dish I see all the time now in video where they've got like a hollowed out piece of parmesan and they're like stirring the noodles in the parmesan? Is that kind of what I it is? I would say that's yeah, that's like pretty close to what they're doing yeah i mean it's like not you know you make it like that in a frying pan or whatever and but i don't know if like technically that's what they call it like a lot of the time when they're like when they put the cheese on they just scrape it on not what you're saying but scrape it it's like a raclette cheese but what you're saying i would have to assume is like a cacio pepe yeah i mean if they add pepper that's like pretty much what it is yeah incredible Mm -hmm. what would you say for me, I would say it was on the on the Greek cruise. Just it, it was just very Greek, right? Like so, so it was authentic Greek food, and um, Mythos beer was delicious. Um, so I think it was just the whole experience of being wrapped in just everything Greek. Yummy! Right. Lots of good feta cheese, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, I've got I've got two more questions for you here. One of them is one that Sam would typically ask, but I'm going to take it this time, which is just you have crossed so many bucket list kind of cruise items off your list. Like what is still on the list? What is at the top of your bucket list cruise things to do? I would uh, for me, I still want to go to Patagonia and then um, the Mekong River. That's that's those two are still high on my list. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had done any river cruises in Asia, because I know we had had um, Heidi uh, on who does, uh, why am I blanking on the name of her blog, but she does the small ship cruising blog. uh, And she was always talking about Asia and river cruises as a way to see Asia. And so I was curious if you if you were uh, if you had done one yet, or were planning to do one. Yeah, we haven't done one, but they were closed for closed. They were closed, quote unquote, (laughs) for a while because of the pandemic. Um, which leads into my bucket list is a cruise in Japan and also Norway. I think we're going to do Norway this summer, um, next summer with Windstar. Um, still deciding. But um, yeah, Japan and Norway. And we were just in Japan for six weeks. But the way that our Airbnb reservations worked out with like the available cruises that we could do didn't really align. It was kind of like the end of the cruise season for Japan. Um, 
in October into November. But still on my bucket list, which is Asia, but not the Mekong, obviously. So, All right. My last question is, well, we know you've got another cruise coming up with Disney Cruise Line for the wedding. Uh, but beyond that, what's next? Where are Dan and Mikhail off to next? I can't even keep up with our own schedule. I really have to think about that. <laughs> we have anybody who wants to travel like, you know, for a year or just like keep communication together um, in different locations, even if you're like you're in the kitchen and somebody's in the living room. We have a shared Canva doc, actually, which we have figured out is the best way to look at it at a glance and share it with family and friends who we don't want to give access to our Outlook or you know, um, Apple calendars or anything. Um, but to answer that, we are hoping to meet up with you guys in Munich to have a beer. Uh, prost. Cheers prost. to Christmas markets. We are going on different sailings, but it, it's really cool. Our trip overlaps again, like it did once, Sunita. Yeah. Um, so Christmas markets cruise, then we're in Florida for a while. And then we for sure are going to Amsterdam again in the spring for their tulip um, season. TBD if we book for that, but we'll be there for their... We've been there for their tulip season, but never... They have a tulip festival associated with it, like with a big parade and stuff. So we actually scheduled that a while ago because the hotels sell out like over a year in advance. Mm -hmm. So we'll be there. And then... um we need to book a cruise to go on like Treasure or to Lighthouse Point or, you know, did you guys book something? Oh, yeah. We've all, we have all the things booked, Mikkel. <laughs> we, we, we are. So for those who haven't heard us talk about this before, in June uh, of next year, we will be on the Disney Magic back to back cruises. The first being a DVC charter cruise for five nights. And then the second being a three night cruise. Both of those cruises go to Lighthouse Point. And the three night cruise is our inaugural DCL Duo podcast cruise. So we are doing Lighthouse Point. Yeah. So we've got a couple of Lighthouse Point stops there. And then in, um, in December, we are going to be headed on the maiden voyage of the treasure and then in 2025, we also have a treasure spring break cruise booked. So yes, we have a lot, wow. a lot happening um, with between the treasure and lighthouse point. We're making sure to hit both of those at least twice. We are also going into Pearl Plus territory with your number of cruises at this point. Yes, it will. Um, but we but we aren't sailing on Disney. We're recording for those who can't tell. We are recording at the end of November. We're post Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, we our next cruise on Disney Cruise Line is not booked until June. So we have So we've got we actually have a couple of well, we have the ABD. So it's still Disney cruising, but different, right? Um, not DCL. And then we also actually have a couple of Royal Caribbean cruises that we're taking before our next Disney cruise. So for research, so research purposes for science, you know, always for science. Yeah, it's hard, it's, it's hard not to take a look, a hard look at Royal considering how uh, out of control Disney pricing is getting for their cruises. So uh, we, we're going to try that one. Yeah. How do you, after all this small ship cruising talk, how do you feel about your up? Coming Adventures by Disney Cruise, which we know is on um, charter ships with AMA Waterways, a cruise line we really like. 
I would say that we are overall excited. Uh, it's a it's a short turnaround for us or a shorter turnaround than we would like. We've got just a little over two weeks after we just got back off of the magic uh, in about two weeks or a little over. We'll be heading over to Germany. I think our biggest worry is our son and how he's going to do adjusting across a huge time zone leap, whether he'll have fun in Europe. Uh, you know, we hear great things about ABD making those kinds of trips fun, even for the kids. And so key reason we booked Adventures by Disney to do this was we wanted his first time in Europe to be fun for him too. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that's We're worried a little bit about missed. the cold. I'm a little worried. So hey, Brian, I'm not worried. Well, I'm a little worried about the same things Brian is worried about, um, but more worried about the cold because it's, it's been a while since we've been in a really cold place for, you know, you Christmas time. about? We live in Seattle. It's gotten down yes. to zero here since we've yes. lived here. <laughs> but, but we tend to leave um, to warmer places for parts of, parts of the holiday season. So we like to go warmer places. We'll get some mold wine in you and you won't notice a difference. Oh, yeah. uh, Listen, yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> as, as, as our friends Dan and Mikkel know, I grew up in New York, so I, I have not, you know, I have had to deal with winter before. It's just been a while. Yeah. When people say to me, you grew up in New York, please. I'm like, it doesn't mean I enjoy the cold weather. <laughs> like, you know, I'm a warm weather girl. I will say it's really cold, but did you guys buy hot hands like the hand warmers? You know, we used to have a bunch of those. I think we, we might still have, have. No, we still, we still have them. I yeah. saw them. Yeah. Pack them. Okay, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Pack them. I'm not going to lie. It's It could be brutal, brutally cold. I, the only other Christmas markets cruise that I was on was right after we met. And it was so cold in Vienna. Like none of us could even stand outside. We had to find a cafe. But it could also not be. I mean, you know, it depends on the season. It was unseasonably warm really late in Japan this November. So you never know. But... Prepare for colds. Yeah. And, you know, the good news is glue wine, like you said, um, warms you up. And also you can, you should be able to, don't quote me on this because I don't know what the Adventures by Disney rules are when they're taking over on the waterway ships, but you can like buy a bottle of wine in port and bring it on board. Even if you open it in your room, make sure you pack your portable corkscrew. Ah. <laughs> good tip. Good tip. Yeah. Yes. Well, well I, we're excited. Overall, we're excited. Uh, maybe I'll just uh, pack a hip flask and keep Sam uh, warm with bourbon or something along those lines. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it'll make for fun fun vlogging of Sam. So there you go. Uh, point, actually, you should pack your flask. <laughs> Somebody gave us one. <laughs> Somebody gave us one. <laughs> uh, well, as always, it has been just an absolute pleasure catching up with both of you. I know we talked about it at the top of the show, but you want to remind folks where they can find and, and follow along with all of your fun travels. I know we do constantly, but do uh, you want to let folks know where they can find and follow you? Sure. Thanks for asking. It is sometimes sailing at two S's in a row, sometimes sailing.com. We are sometimes sailing on Instagram, sometimes sail on Twitter because of the character cap on X. Uh, what am I missing? Pinterest, sometimes sailing. And then we're sometimes home.com um, and sometimes home on all social media. Thank you. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, again, thank you for taking time out of your busy travel schedule. I know it's taken us a while to like get this all connected and and uh, you know get us all together again, but love having you on. Let's not wait a whole nother year to talk to you again because we love having you both on. But for now, I'll just say thank you for taking the time and uh, we just really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. 
a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night.